0: I mean, he's been putting in work for so long. He's putting in a lot of work. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to Putting in Work, episode 153 of 8-Bits Interview Podcast. We are powered by Audio-Technica, and this is a special PAX Radio edition of the podcast. Today, we have Johnny Galvatron, creative director from Melbourne Indie Studio, Beethoven and Dinosaur who you may know from their recent release, The Artful Escape, which is taking the gaming world by storm. It's 82, currently on Metacritic. It is the developer's very first release, and for a lot of people, it is in the Game of the Year discussion. When I saw Johnny Galvatron's name attached to this game, my first thought was, that sounds very familiar. Living in Geelong, growing up in regional Victoria, I was familiar with his band, The Galvatrons, his previous life prior to getting into game development. So it was great to talk to Johnny about his experience in performing live music and being in a rock band and making that pivot into game development, how he found that transition and what skills translated from music over to uh, the creative side of directing a game like The Artful Escape. I found it really interesting to learn how this game came together, really from a concept and idea that Johnny had years ago and the difference it made for a publisher like Annapurna to come on board to to make it a Polish product to allow them to, you know, hire these big name voice actors, as well as the artists and developers that were able to really bring Johnny's wild concept to life in such a colorful and vibrant, spectacular way. This game looks amazing. The, the visuals are just crazy and psychedelic and the way that it fuses this with the musical side of, of the gameplay without being a game that relies on any kind of combat or anything like that so to engage the player is really, I think a testament to, to what you can achieve with a bit of creativity. So here he is to talk all about it, Johnny Galvatron.
1: Enjoy the show. The matinee, we've done the matinee for the like underage and, um, and for the parents of the people in the show. And now it's opening night
0: yeah but this is this is it this is legit uh thanks johnny for joining
1: me again it's great to have you here second time around um i think it's going to be better than the first um i, I recorded the audio and and it, and it didn't have any of me on it um and i apologize uh what a, what a rookie mm. mistake what an amateur move um yeah i, I promise it won't happen again because uh, you're recording it this time
0: it's not like you've got any history with recording things, is it? I don't know what i, mean, I'm, I still don't know what like... I'm
1: doing. I think that's clear <laughs> that um, I'm just just failing upwards.
0: Yeah. I guess you had a producer or you, you had the guy that...
1: Uh, I got Josh the... Abrahams. So exactly. That's I've got guy. Mr. Yeah. Addicted to Bass who's usually on yeah. the dials uh, and I'm just hopeless without him. That's the truth, yeah. though. I need mean, he... We need Josh
0: Abrahams here to to produce the podcast. But... Jabba
1: would come on. He lo- Jabba loves a bit of press.
0: Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get him next time. Okay. Um, anyway, that's a good segue into my first question, which is, you know, I want to talk about the music career, Johnny. Mm. So mm. the Galvatrons were a big thing, uh, especially, you know, where I live in Geelong. You know, we've, <laughs> we've got that in common. Um, you're, you're an expat. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm currently, I've moved to Geelong. But I remember even just from, like, growing up in Warrnambool, seeing the name the Galvatrons, as like one of the touring artists so yeah. um yeah tell me a bit about your your ex your former life your yeah. your 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 first
1: love of my first love music. i still love <laughs> I, I love being in the studio i just don't mm. love touring but um yeah. i i was at um i'd played at rock and roll bands um in rock and roll bands at high school and stuff and tried to get you know tried to be famous when you're in high school because you've got a like silver chair we're already famous you're like god damn uh-huh. i'm running behind <laughs> and um i ended up making a band called the galvatrons when i was at uni studying 3d computer animation and uh i was trying to make like a normal band at first then i was like oh, i should write like a van halen 80s number and then that then it spiraled out of control which seems to be a a motif of the stuff i do is just doing silly ideas that spiral out of control and then people give you money um Mm. but uh got a record deal about a week after i graduated and didn't um i just immediately forgot everything that i'd learned um and partied for five years toured for five years had a a couple of hits maybe one real hit a couple of you know and a decent (laughs) follow-up um and a couple of Triple J hits, you know. No, we, Triple, we'll J that ha- Triple J hated it. Oh, really? Us. Yeah, absolutely. Why? Why? We were on like, a, oh, there's a lot of politics involved. Also, you know, not that good. But um, uh, <laughs> uh, I, I did um elbow uh, Richard Kingsmill in the head once side stage uh, while I was watching Devo. But, you know, probably don't put that on the air. No, it's too late now. Um, <laughs> it's uh, old news. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, ancient history. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, um, and tour of the world hated it, hated touring. Um, I like being on stage and I like I like being in the studio, but that's just such a small percentage of what you do. Most of sure. it's being in, a, you know. Sometimes I still see twelve seat events. I'm like, oh, 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 kill me now. Um, <laughs> and I hate planes. Uh, I don't mind the flying. Well, you know, I don't think I'm going to fall out of the sky. I just hate being in a little chair for that long. That's it's mm. too much for me. Um, and airports, they're not. They're not fun. Oh, they're just the worst. Um, and came home from touring, um, wrote a novel, showed it to no one, didn't leave my house for like five years. Mm-hmm. And then I decided to um, moonwalk blindly into the video game industry. Um, so that was kind of my transition. You know, I had a good mm-hmm. time playing rock and roll. You know, I got, got some good stories, got to do some great stuff. Really happy that I kind of got to live that dream because i probably would have always thought it would have been amazing so i'm glad to know that it's a bit sucky you know yeah um, And uh, there, there's yeah. a few
0: things there that i want to touch on so did you remember much from what you studied about 3d animation like did was that Nothing. helpful in your in not your at all journey not, into game dev
1: not <laughs> in any way at all it's just that i knew which app to down to to illegally download um <laughs> which app was that oh i can't say um <laughs> Uh, no, it's all right. I have all the correct. Um, you know, once you start your business, get your correct you got the license versions. There. Yeah, <laughs> I know I do. Um, uh, yeah, nothing at all. So I just learned everything off YouTube again, which is, um, it's there for everyone. Mm. It's a good time. A good time if you're an artist to get involved in the music biz, I mean, okay. sorry, into the video game biz, just cause, uh, it's like, let everything on YouTube, everything's free. Mm. What a time, what a time to be alive.
0: Absolutely, and then I guess the the part where it kind of isn't a, a giant waste of time, uh, apart from the fact that you had fun, you know, in music, is is that your first. What well, is, is Artful Escape your first game release?
1: Yeah, first game Yeah,
0: I've so I, made. I, yeah, and so I guess like the Artful Escape is so <laughs> it seems so intertwined with maybe your experiences or with at least some of the, the concepts that you, that you tackled as, um, the front man with, with the Galvatrons, you know, presenting this image of, of the, of the rock star and the throwbacks to the eighties and the seventies
1: and the kind of psychedelic art style. I think a lot of the influences are there, like, um, of that crazy Steve Vai Van Halen guitar and, you know, crazy prog rock artwork and, um, and just pure nonsense. Uh, an excess i think it's like it's definitely not autobiographical i'm definitely not like francis francis mm. is a good guitar player and i'm terrible <laughs> um i don't think i've even played that much guitar. i play a little bit of guitar on the game i play a, a one riff i think one one riff in nice. one song just to get on you gotta get yourself in there somewhere yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah um no no it's like the opposite of my kind of galvatron's experience it's like um you know, I'd never toured America, so I started it in America and then just made it go into outer space. So it was definitely like, it was like my Artful Escape as well, just um, mm. kind of making this fantasy version of what had happened to me as some kind of coping mechanism. I'm getting real deep. Yeah, no, that's
0: <laughs> what we want to hear. So, so when you were studying animation, was games something that you wanted to go into, or was it kind of open-ended, like just a skill that you thought would be cool?
1: Um, I've always, I've been a gamer since the Master System, Um, so I always loved gaming. I always thought it was kind of a bit out of reach. Probably was at the time I was um, studying. Um, I was just doing it for art and fun, and I made the Galvatron's EP cover. That was that was the extent of uh, my output from university. Uh, One album cover. Uh, It was worth it. You probably saved yourself a (laughs) few hundred dollars. That's exactly right. Um, yeah. Okay. And
0: when did it kind of strike you that uh, this, you know, this world that may have seemed out of reach before, like when you were studying? Because, you know, in yeah. the early two- 2000s, game development wasn't really something I even knew anyone would be talking about. Yeah, I about. feel the same way. What, what- when did that strike you as uh, maybe I can make a game, or oh. I can side up next to someone who's got actual programming mm-hmm. skills, and they can make a game, and I can tell them how to make it really cool?
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I think like um, um, that whole revolution of of uh, apps is probably what made it seem more accessible. And I really just wanted to make an iPad app like Sword and Sorcery, which is a really a, a game that I really love. I think it's a fantastic mobile game everyone should play that on ipad it's great um and the and the uh, nathan valor who made that works at um our publisher now at annapurna so i just get to ring him up and ask him (laughs) about if ideas are any good so that's super cool um i um yeah. So I, I thought there was probably, you know, something I could just work on something small and make some little app like that. Um, and things spiraled out of control and I downloaded Unreal Engine and well, I downloaded Unity, I think first, and I made some things in Unity and I was like, no, this is bullshit. I can't figure this out. And then um, I tried Unreal and it had like, it was, it had, I was using just like uh, translucent sprites, like just flat kind of two, triangular polygons just stuck together and it looked nicer and Unreal. So I was like, I'll go with this. <laughs> and it also <laughs> has like this kind of, kind of nodal based blueprint system, which is like, you know, kind of connecting chunks of code together. Um, okay. And uh, it's really good for artists. Uh, I still obviously need, you still need your own programming power. And I hooked up with uh, Justin Blackwell and Sean Slevin um, uh, out of, out of G as well. Um, he lives in Leopold in the, out there, tidy town winner, 1996, as the sound, (laughs) as the sign says, going into town. Um, we looked it up too, and there was no record of Leopold being a tidy town winner 1996. It may may just be. That is suspicious. Yeah. It may just be a lie to get you into Leopold.
0: That was the best thing. I don't know that the tidy town, uh, you know, circuit is that. Uh, is that what else are
1: they going to do? Just advertise the Leopold Sportsman's Club?
0: I mean, I, I lived in Leopold a few years ago, and it's grown quite a bit since your days. So they have a Bunnings now. So. Holy fuck! Sorry, am I allowed to swear on this? Yeah, it's it's fine. Oh, sick! This is this is going on Pax Radio. I've decided, so uh, all of Pax will have will have heard that now. No, sorry, but PAX. Uh, <laughs> but. Uh, Yeah, so so I guess knowing the right people was a big part of it for you and finding some kind of uh, way to work together. As the creative director on this game, what was your actual role in in developing the Artful Escape? It's obviously, I guess, the story and the concept and some of the art direction, would that be the
1: best way to describe your input? I think it changes as the project goes along. Initially, with the demo that we made that got us a publishing deal, I did just everything on the art side, did the animation the illustration um kind of all the implementation through the levels the lighting etc and then um then when we got some cash i hired some actual professionals um and then you can you can uh, hang back a little and i was just like working a lot on kind of level construction and level design and then you know handing off my silly alien designs to professionals saying, put this in the game make this uh, which is a great great vibe and just spending months in the recording studio with Josh Abrahams and, um, and Eden Altman, who's the guitar player. Um, so I got to do a lot of music, uh, a lot of art direction, implementation stuff, implementing all the audio. I think the thing is like with an indie team, like I, I was talking to a guy from Microsoft the other day and he was like, how many people were on made the game? I was like, it's usually a team of about seven or eight, you know, depending on what part of the project is like, we have seven or eight people like on one feature of microsoft you know one little tiny bit of it and that's the thing with like indie teams you'll find that people will often branch into other areas because that's what the team needs and people become um multi-skilled and and you kind of have to be if you if you want to be ambitious with a little team and if you can find people who want to um uh expand their knowledge within the industry it's like Arden, our illustrator came in never worked in an engine um and started illustrating then started implementing and then she became quite good at the engine and now she's like the best of us at materials you know um so she can carry everything from her drawings all the way through to finished in engine um so yeah everyone everyone's kind of uh, got their fingers in many pies that's cool yeah keep those pies mm-hmm. You know, Think it?
0: <laughs> I guess I wasn't gonna say it. But, uh, I, I left that one right, right. I, I walked straight into that. Um. Anyway, forget the pies. Yeah, we're not here to talk Moving about on. pies. Yeah, um, we're not here to fuck pies. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I want to know like, how did you go giving that direction? Because I'm guessing, like in your head, was this something that was fully formed, or was it like they, like you, you told an artist what you wanted, then they gave you something. And you went, wow, that's so much more than what I could have thought. Or did you have to actually tell them, try again, it's not quite there?
1: I, I mean, all of those things. Um, I think, you know, sometimes it depends on what kind of reference you give. If you look at it from an art level, sometimes I would give Arden a fully illustrated, coloured creature and be like, that's what I want. And then other times I would just kind of scribble on on a, on a an on a, on a ancient slate, and just be like decipher this and make it into something and you know so it's like there's one creature in the game um uh the, J- the jam shrimp who sounds like a mm-hmm. saxophone that was that was pretty much designed how i designed it but then there was like um uh the tastemaker who's uh, a floating asymmetrical space head and that was the worst reference i think i gave to arden which was just scribbles. <laughs> And lines and just being like it's like a head and it's made of stuff okay go mm. so sometimes i'm a good art director and sometimes i'm terrible and
0: is it the same with the the sound like were you overseeing kind I, of the i kind of know what i want well. with the
1: sound i, I you yeah. know me and josh have worked together for years so um i can be like you know I, I, when i say to him i'll, I'll be like you know now i need that sparkle magic on the end of that but he knows what i mean so that that's after <laughs> years of working together so that's fantastic yeah. and then you know i'll go like and we know each other so well you know i'll be like josh let's let's do a harp run here and he's like oh i don't think it needs it and i'll be like you just don't want to do a harp run josh i know because it's tricky <laughs> and he's like oh god damn it and then he'll do the harp run he's like yeah that's pretty good so um I, you know i don't think me and josh we me and josh worked together for like 15 years i don't think we've ever like even disagreed on anything <laughs> so mm. um uh, wonderful collaboration so yeah i i you know sometimes i would come in with um the tracks fully written and we would sit there and arrange them and flesh them out. Or sometimes I'd be like really under the pump at some other thing. And I'd ring up Josh and I'd be like, I need something from a, from like an eighties thriller, uh, 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 that would be in like a, a Brian De Palma film. It's like, oh, okay. Sick. <laughs> <laughs> Give me back or something. Yeah. And I'd be like, that's exactly what I meant, Josh, you champion. So, um, and then I worked with, uh, Luke Legs, uh, who's also from down the coast in Geelong and he, um, he just had those tracks. Um, mm. They were his and I'd heard them, and I was like, I want to put them in the game. Um, and we just kind of re recorded them, did them with a kind of different production that we wanted to make him sound like they were from the 50s um, and that they were a bit more. He sing, uh, Luke usually sings with a bit of an Australian accent, so we got him to kind of play a bit of a character. Um, yeah. And yeah, so sometimes I'm in there, sometimes I'm getting other artists to bring their talents in when I've. Um, can't give good direction. <laughs> mm. Yeah. So I think, yeah, it's changes, It depends on the situation.
0: Yeah. And one of the things that it seems with the game is that it has to be dynamic and people and like responsive to people who are actually playing the game. Mm. So it's, it's not just as simple as like a, a tune that sounds cool. It has to be, I guess like the keys have to work together and it has yeah. to be like, at any point the player can decide to press the button and then it needs to, to, to work. The guitar button
1: yeah yeah um yeah that that was kind of one of the interesting th- interesting things about like we wanted the player to be able to shred at any point and that means the guitar can come in at any point but also the game is very musical um so how do you get that to work and the, the, it's just kind of amorphous it's like you have we write our backing tracks we get eden to shred over them we cut them up and we have a few different ways of like getting into the track and getting out without it sounding unnatural um, cause you can't kind of like set, you know, you can't sample each note to a key and kind of play it on a keyboard. Guitars just don't sound that way. Um, and you can't fade off something quickly cause they don't sound that way either. So you kind of have to cover it. Then you, um, everything that in, is in the landscape also can light up at any point, whether you're shredding or not. So you kind of have to look at the level and the sound design as this giant composition which was tricky at times but it works really well i think um and it, it, the reason it kind of all flows together it's not that it's kind of it is theoretically all should work together but it's really kind of your brain uh, arranging what it's hearing and, and looking for meaning kind of in uh mm-hmm. dark side of the rainbow um which is the uh where you play dark side of the moon on the third roar of the mgm line um before the wizard of oz and it kind of, it's meant to line up it kind of does mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but it's only a brain making sense of kind of two, uh, detached, um, uh, inputs. So we kind of, that's kind of why the music works in the artful escape, it's your brain, putting it together and associating meaning. That's cool.
0: So, so from like the way you described the process of, of collaborating with people that worked on the game, it actually sounds like some of the skills that you had navigating the music industry have translated like directly into, game development whether that like hyping people
1: up or getting getting the best out of people is that what you mean yeah a
0: bit of a bit of everything like working (laughs) with a with a you know like a producer or working with artists and Mm. describing what you want because like if if you're writing a song and you want the drums to go boom boom chick but you have to explain that to a drummer yeah Yeah. (laughs) you have to explain what you want if maybe you're not a drummer you have to explain what you want to the drummer and they go oh yeah i think i know what you mean and then it's, it's a similar thing. And not only that, but then there's that whole side of, you know, the things that maybe you didn't like touring and booking gigs and getting the record deal. Like that was all the business side of it. And in a similar way, you had to build this demo and get a publisher. So there's mm. all these things that seem like similarities, I guess.
1: Yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't have too much trouble with my. I didn't. Ha, I didn't have a horrible like record company story. I, I, I just think uh, you know the Galvatrons failure was on the Galvatrons. I don't think. Um, I mean, we we were there kind of at the at the the death knell of that big record deal with you know trying to sell a lot of records. I was just right mm-hmm. at the end of that. Um, so you know, no, no hate for Warner Brothers. That was fine. And and like signing a big publishing deal with like this you know hollywood studio it was a delight it was at <laughs> the great time i thought it was super fun i got to like mm-hmm. you know fly out to all this cool hollywood i'd never been to america and i only went there when the first time I was like 33 or something so it was just like going to a massive film set because i'm sure you know like you all i do is watch like american pop culture stuff mm-hmm. so uh for me that was delightful uh, i think i had right. to
0: convince them that you were like good enough to to earn that and that they could put their investment into you right that's, that's i think i think a, the a demo the
1: demo was like enough the demo was enough to yeah. show them that we have we're on a right idea and that we could do it and then you know you, all you have to do is prove to them that you're not going to be an asshole to work with and you're going to treat your staff with dignity and respect and be cool mm-hmm. um but even like getting the demo in front of them. Like, if I
0: had a demo here that I've made, I wouldn't even know how to get it to someone. You know what I mean? Like, it's not, it's, it's, uh, I think there'd be a lot of indies out there that feel like if they had a chance to pitch themselves, that they'd, they'd have a chance. But it's, it's also just like getting to that point as well.
1: Yeah, well, we we done a Kickstarter, and that that was kind of how we got our press. It's a good it's a good launch. Mm-hmm. We'd made a good, you know, we didn't get our target, but it was like a good Kickstarter. It was enough to get press. It was enough to get right. publishing um, on the phone. So, and I think there's a lot of different routes to um, getting a game published or getting a game funded. Um, and I don't know, maybe I'm kind of biased, but like I, I feel it's very similar. To the rock industry that if you've got a good product people will people mm-hmm. will fund you you know if you can see what you know if you can if you have an idea of what the market is for your product and and have a kind of vision for it i think you it's not too hard to get discovered i don't think but i felt the same way about rock and roll it's like these bands that have been playing for you know six years and like we just need someone to see us i'm like they've seen you <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so i you know i think um yeah but you know that's from that's obviously a very biased opinion. Actually, I feel bad about it now. I've said it. <laughs> <laughs> that's
0: fine. That's fine. Um, the other side of this, I guess, is that there probably are a lot of indies, hopefully, listening to this podcast. That um, you know they're working on a game, and, and it's that conundrum of like, do we pursue a publisher who's then going to take a big chunk of you know the profits that we're making off this game? But then what what are you getting in return? So what was that kind of negotiation back and forth like for you? Like, I don't need specifics about money or anything, but like, there's obviously like, what are they bringing to the table versus what are they taking as far as like, are they funding you? Are they hmm. organizing like translation? Are they going to take care of all the, the hoops you have to jump through? So what was that process like for you? I,
1: I think um, there's no way on earth that I could have done it without an and it would have been a very different product without an um for me yeah they do take a chunk um but i think it's just like to me it's just like a record deal i didn't have the money to, i didn't have the money to fund it i wasn't going to go into like individual um kind of um fundraising so you know first of all you know, having that stability of a company behind you that's funding you and giving you checks every month to keep the electricity on and keep everyone paid and keep everyone happy. Uh, that's pretty good coming out of the box for your first game. Mm. Um, and then, you know, it, they have, you have a, suddenly you have a marketing budget, you know, and then th- that's worth, you know, more than it costs. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then you suddenly have these opportunities like being on the Xbox showcase or being shown on, uh, or getting, you know, Xbox exclusivity deals or getting interviewed by Jeff Keighley. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, you know, and then we, of course there's that whole thing of like getting the voice actors in the game, you know, like Carl Weathers and Lena Headey. Um, I just don't think Carl would have picked up the phone for me. That's Apollo Creed. Yeah, it's flipping Apollo Creed, totally. So you know, I think the um, as a first-time game developer, it was a dream, and I can't believe it went the way it did.
0: Mm. No, that's that's awesome. That's probably a good point to talk about, like the reception to the game, because from you know what I've seen, it's been very positive. Mm. Um, what's it been like? I know you know you probably as a musician, you're used to getting critiqued. You <laughs> used might, to getting um, slammed. Yeah. yeah. You, you might avoid <laughs> like re- reading reviews, but you know, as a oh, gamer, I, wish, I'm, I'm... I
1: wish I was cool enough to avoid r- reading reviews. I wish I was like that super cool, nonchalant yeah. person who gave no shits. But uh, no, I, <laughs> I read like everything. Yeah, if you've well, read that's... a bad comment about, if you've written a bad comment about me, I've probably read it.
0: Okay. Um, I'm like that too. So I totally get it. But as a gamer, yeah. like you probably grew up reading like GameSpot and IGN. So to see them Absolutely. cover the game and to, to see them love the game must be really cool for
1: you. It's lovely. I mean... <laughs> you um it's so scary like that night because all the you know it's like an embargo so everything drops at once and you're just sitting there with metacritic you know refreshing the button and then you know at one point it refreshes and then you see how people have judged years of your work in an instant uh and luckily there's a score that i was happy with um but yeah it's terrifying i definitely got way more abuse in the music industry from people from melbourne than i do from the international game community um uh, it's lovely to see people like just writing us letters and drawing you know doing fan mail of the character doing a fan art of the characters and um it's the reception's been really good and just like couldn't be happier you know the other day i just kind of because your your metacritic fluctuates no not that it even matters but you know it fluctuates and then it settles at some point and then i was just like well let's come on that's it's done now it's out it has its metacritic it's good mm-hmm. um and people you know seem to really like it and think it will have a good life ahead of it for kind of a couple of years to come yeah that's great and th- the other side of that
0: i guess is just like looking at the way that you know the game comes out it's out there in the wild it's taken you like you said a few years to to work on this game Mm. what was it like to to be working on this one thing and not really having something to show for for a long period of time compared to like maybe you record an album and maybe it's maybe it's six months maybe it's a full year if there's heaps of post-production and mastering Yeah, if you've got cash yeah. Um, but, but, but there's a turnaround and, you know, fans can, you can perform the songs at your gigs still and that kind of thing. But then like with the game, it's like, it's, it's either secret and you can't even talk about it or yeah. it's like, no one can play it until it's like three or four years. So what was I, that? I think, I think like? that
1: there's, it's less pressure to show no one um, and be locked away and make sure it's perfect. You know, that's why I can just really understand when Naughty Dog like got those leaks of last of us who, how, much it must have hurt um uh i i like the secrecy you know i like okay. being locked away and not showing anything <laughs> you know i'll i'll know if it's good or not i feel like you know um and everyone's got goals that they want to hit and i feel like we hit all the goals that we wanted with the game and everyone you know it's amazing that you know you can get all these people who are you know very serious artists and very serious about what they do and mm-hmm. to get them happy with the output and happy with the end product. I think um that's that's the goal, you know. Um and we, I even if everyone hated it, I'd say we made exactly what we wanted to make. Yeah. That's cool.
0: And I think it's really great that, you know, especially the past, let's say, five years, there's been all these success stories of Australian uh indies, whether yeah. it's, you know, House House or House uh, House. Cherry. Do you reckon
1: House House is super loaded? They must be.
0: Yeah, absolutely. They would be rolling in. <laughs> yeah, but like you know, the the, the Hollow Knight guys, and then, yeah, you another know, brilliant game. There's just so much, so many great things coming out of Australia, especially coming out of Melbourne. And now you guys are in that world too. So, um, I guess congratulations. But what's what's it like? Nice. To, like what what's the Australianness factor of this for you?
1: Like, am I am I proud of
0: that? The... Yeah. Like, how I do mean, you see it's... yourselves fitting into that scene? because you made a game that's like it's 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 like it's a set in the u.s so it's a Mm. bit wider than like being this little aussie like go get them indie it's it's a
1: it feels a bit bigger yeah it doesn't feel like that does it it doesn't feel like you know we made it in the garage it's a bit it's a bit (laughs) more polished it's got some cash so you know it's like um i mean melbourne's always got cool artists. melbourne's always got cool bands melbourne's just a great scene it's a lovely city you know people have money usually you're mm. privileged to be in a living in a place like this where you can you know your job can be making art i think it, it, we should always keep that in mind
0: mm. but you're not moving to san francisco anytime no so.
1: nah, i have made this <laughs> studio here that sounds like way too much
0: effort yeah all right. So there's a few questions we'll roll through that I tend to ask everyone on okay. work. What was the hardest part of, of this process for you, uh, getting into the games industry, releasing this, this uh, masterpiece, as some may have called it?
1: <laughs> I'm sure someone's um, called it. it someone might have. Um, um, My mum thought it was, was dope. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, what was the hardest bit? I think just like making a studio and learning how to work with people and learning how to step back. Uh, and let people bring their own things to to your like baby you know um and mm. and then but that has the amazing payoff of it being better and um and and getting other people's serious talents you know behind your story so um yeah the That's the cool. business and the and the um the people side of things
0: okay and what would you say your advice would be to anyone that might be looking to to start out? Because this is your first game, and it's mm-hmm. just done so well. And technically, anyone that's never released a game could look at you and say, "Well, Johnny Galvatron, look at games, this so- idiot." Yeah, totally. <laughs> so, I would say, like this guy uh, in sunglasses is running around. <laughs> you know, I can I th- make a game.
1: <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, I think you should look at me that way. Exactly. I mean, the thing is, like. I, I, extremely privileged in the sense that I could work on this and like my wife paid the bills while I was earning no money and trying to be, you know, so I'd say if you're lucky enough to have someone support you, that that's a really good start. But the, I think the thing is like Unreal Engine's free. All these YouTube mm-hmm. <clears throat> tutorials are free. You can do, if you have the time, you know, if you're lucky enough to have the time, um, then nothing holding you back, get in there, make a little iPad app and watch it spiral out of control.
0: Mm. Yeah, it is free. Uh, you have to, you have to be kind of smart to figure it out, but I'm, I'm sure that you, you won't get very far if you're not smart anyway. So it's a, it's a good, um, you know, it's a good entry point. Like if you can figure it out unreal, then you can make a game. It's,
1: it's for you. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> All right. The last question, if you could do anything and you knew that you would not fail, what would you do?
1: Oh, like, like jump off a real tall building.
0: Wow. Well, if, if that's the answer, then.
1: <laughs> well, and live.
0: I mean, it could be like, it could be anything. It could be like a David Bowie biopic. You,
1: you oh, know, David Bowie biopic. I, do you know what? I don't, <laughs> I think I like biopics is like my least favorite genre of film Uh uh-huh the 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 music biopic um i always think that did you like bohemian rhapsody what what's your i didn't even go
0: i didn't even go to it okay there you go yeah
1: um if i could do it you know i like to walk the line with 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 the with the i was gonna say the Dewey Cox story (laughs) um um i i think just make games man yeah just make games Although I don't know if I don't know if I like the concept of you can't fail. It's interesting, mm. isn't it? it? Takes all the, it takes all the drama out of
0: it. Yeah, it does. Um, but often it's something where it's something people aren't doing. And then the question, obviously, <laughs> the, you know, the, the, the rhetoric part of the, the rhetorical part of the question is, well, maybe that's what you should be doing.
1: You know? Man, I'm living but, the dream. But you're doing it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm totally happy with where I am. Um, yeah. But yeah, That's my answer. Living the, I'm living the train.
0: <laughs> so sweet. Making more games. Well, yeah, I look forward games, to, totally. uh, you know, seeing what the tail end of, of the outfall escapes release looks like. And, yeah, uh, uh, I guess whatever's coming next from you guys. Cause you know, the first one out the gates is, is, is a big hit. No pressure, but uh, we're expecting uh, no pressure. Things, you're going to make the sophomore <laughs> album now. The one where yeah. you're like
1: real upset and you haven't had enough time to like put it together. Um, yeah, Hopefully Usually, it's more it's a, sophomore games you know. are better, so hopefully, we can we can go along with that record.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of um, bands' second albums are improvements on the first. It's 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 a tough thing to follow up when the first one's really popular, but um, I'm sure you can I'm sure you can find a way. To we'll we'll figure something out.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Thanks so much for, for having me again after we uh, lost the first recording.
0: It's okay. I think this one went better. I think this one was way
1: better I I think it was like much it was it was so clean
0: yeah man you've um (laughs) you've you've been thinking about it non-stop since then all the all the answers have just been just just like straight down the line this time the last one was a disaster dear listeners Uh,
1: it was so trash wasn't it I'm so glad we got to do it again
0: Thank you for listening, and thanks to Audio Technica. You can check out Johnny's work on Twitter at The Artful Escape. The game's now available everywhere on Xbox and PC. Putting in work is part of the 8 bit network, so head over to 8bit.net to check out the rest of our content. And if you want to support us, you can do so with our Ko fi page at ko we weare8bit, A T E B O T. And of course, supporting this podcast is as simple as leaving a rating and review in your podcast service of choice you can catch me on social media at Jono himself and until next episode keep putting in work